0: So when an investor comes to them and say, hey, I want 10% cash on cash return and $100 cash flow property, a lot of agents will be like, I have no idea what that means.
1: <laughs> so the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. I'm pumped to talk to Sean McDonald today. He's from Surf, Surf City, North Carolina. He's a podcast listener, You know, reached out, applied to be on the show. And you guys know I love getting to talk to people that are fans of the show. So any of you guys that are listening, so many of you reach out and message me and you say, I'm not sure if I can be interviewed yet. I'm not sure if I'm quite at that volume and you would be surprised. So if you're a listener and you want to get interviewed, reach out to me. Let's talk about it. We'll figure out if you can get on the show and add value. But today is Sean's day. Sean's here to add value. Sean, how's it going, man? Good, Aaron. Really excited to be here. Yeah. So how long have you been listening to the podcast? It's been about a year since I've been listening. Cool. The uh, I took over the podcast about two years ago, so the, we still get some people on here that that uh, that can can compare me to Pat or any of the other. Right after we took over the podcast, I was kind of hiring and auditioning a whole bunch of different people uh, to take over the podcast through that time, but you've only had me. You also mentioned offline that some of your favorite episodes are the episodes with David Green. He is a great podcast guest to have on here. Him and I always have a lot of fun, so... Uh, If you guys are new to Real Estate Rockstars, but you're also fans of the Bigger Pockets podcast, search, look at some of the interviews I've done with Brandon uh, Turner and David Green. We like to talk about news. We like to talk about skills. We like to talk about all sorts of stuff. So Sean,
0: when did you get your real estate license? I first got licensed in 2019 after I got out of the Marine Corps.
1: So how quickly after you got out of the Marine Corps did you get your license?
0: So I went through the licensing course here in North Carolina when I was actually still active duty on terminal leave. Um, basically, it's like a month or two before you get out. You can use all of the leave that you've saved up. Uh, but I didn't start working full time as an agent until January of 2020. So there was a couple months where um, I wasn't practicing full time as an agent. But yeah, I went, went through the course in 2019.
1: How long were you in the Marine Corps? Seven years. Dude, so the Marine Corps for seven years. Did you get to? Did you do any crazy things during that time? i travel around the world or anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I got to see a good good part of the world. A lot of the like Pacific, um, some Southeast Asian countries, Australia. It was it was a good time. I mean, very exciting, very high high paced life. Um, very similar to being an agent in some ways. Uh, definitely different. In others. But yeah,
1: I mean, I really enjoyed my, my time in the Marine Corps. Now, the fast paced life has to prepare you to be an agent. But so you got your license, you kind of got approved while you were still in the Marine Corps. How did you when did you realize you wanted to become an agent?
0: So it was just about a year or so before I got out. And I'll keep this somewhat brief, but my wife, Christina, and I, we got really interested in real estate investing while I was still active duty. We started investing in real estate in 2017 and just started trying to buy one or two properties a year. And that's really when I developed a passion for real estate. And I, I saw the benefits of buying and holding real estate and using it to you know, build long-term wealth. And then it was pretty clear too. And so 2018, we had our first, our first son and I knew like at that point, I did not want to do the military for a career just because there's times where you'll be gone for significant periods of time. I didn't want to miss out on, you know, my kids growing up and I knew like if I didn't get out and try this whole entrepreneurial thing, then then I probably would still be in the Marine Corps and, and do a career, so I decided to get out and um yeah, get licensed as an agent, but it really all came from you know the investing side and and learning about real estate through
1: investing That's awesome, so twenty seventeen you guys decided you wanted to buy one or two a year. did you buy one or two a year? We bought one in two
0: thousand seventeen two in 2018. And yeah, it's been two
1: a year since then. So, right. So the, so there's two a year, nice and stable growth with that. Do you have a goal for how many houses or how many investments you want to own?
0: So we want to own 10 cash flowing rental properties by 2025. And it's, you know, it's not, that's not necessarily going to be enough for us to like, retire or get out of the rat race, as people say, but it's really more of just the long-term wealth building plan, getting some passive income. Um, And I know those numbers might not add up having 10 by 2025, but we'll probably sell one or two in the next couple of years too, and then purchase some better performing
1: properties. But yeah, that's our goal. The, we don't talk a whole lot about investing, but I want to talk about that for a second before we get into the, a lot of the agent stuff, because that is a, a, so right now, how many rentals do you have? We have six. So you've got six, you want to have 10 by 2025. But one of the things you pointed out was if you're buying two a year, you would technically have 15 by then, but you've already learned inside the process. Like you got to start somewhere with rentals, but then you realize along the way, Hey, what I learned with rental investing. I have a lot of rentals. I love it. I, investing in real estate is the most fascinating, best thing I think anybody can do. Whether you buy one a year, ten a year, or if it'll it will add up over time. Um, but when I first got in, I had to get older properties and ones that were a little bit tougher to manage because those tend to have the higher cash flow or the higher return. And I wanted to see that I was making a little bit of money that after I paid the mortgage off, I was making three or four hundred dollars a month in rent. But then you also figure out with those properties that they sometimes an HVAC goes out sometimes a roof goes out or those older properties so you are, so you talked about hey you're going to get to 10 by buying two a year but then trading out a little bit you know trading up a little bit how do you decide which ones you're going to trade up and which ones you're not like do you already have one that you're like I can't wait to sell this one and trade it for a better one
0: <laughs> yeah we do and it was um you know, we wouldn't be here without this first property though. It was like our accidental investment, but it's just not a very well-performing property. But it's the great thing about real estate is, is it's such a forgiving asset class that we're still going to do really well with this property, even though we've made nearly every mistake in the books. So yeah, this, you want me to go into some details on this one or? Yeah,
1: go into some details on it.
0: Sure. So I purchased this house before Christina and I got married, used my VA loan when I got stationed in North Carolina in 2016 and knew nothing about real estate. Looking back on it now, I was probably the dream client for an agent because I was super busy with the Marine Corps. I basically was like, hey, I don't really care what kind of house I want. I just want a house in this city. Here's my price point. And she showed me a couple of houses my agent did. And I immediately put in like almost the full price offer and got it. And yeah, and it was a very like low stress deal. But um, once we we got married, we moved into it. We found initially the Bigger Pockets podcast and started learning about real estate and rental property investing. I learned how to analyze rental properties, and we ran the numbers on this house. And I was like, oh, this thing could, you know, at least break even if not cash flow a hundred bucks a month. And so we decided to move and purchase a different property that we could house hack and then turn this house into a just a long-term rental um, which we did and yeah we we started out self-managing it. I feel like we we made like you know every mistake in the books. Like didn't manage these tenants well. They were nasty and you know the The house was not in good condition when they left, put a lot of money into like just making it nice again. And then eventually we turned it over to a property manager though, and they've been managing it for us since then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads help reach out to people that aren't listing their pro- their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I want to sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for $220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents. It's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. One of the things you said that I thought was great is you said real estate is such a forgiving asset class and the when i started in investing i was doing a lot of flipping a lot of you know and it was when the it was at a time when the market was falling the you know, 2009 2010 2011 it was still kind of falling every month so if a house was worth 200,000 this month it was going to be worth 190,000 next month or two months from now but we were buying them at like 140 150 the nice thing about a falling market is some investors wanted out or foreclosure would happen or things like that And so it was all, it was a very short term. It didn't feel very forgiving at the time. And so when we get assets, there'd be a lot of assets we would take losses on. And then, because we'd be like, oh, we got the wrong one. Let's just sell it and get rid of it. But it's really funny because every property, every single property we ever lost money on, and some of them we lost a ton of money on, had we just thrown a renter in there, And lost even three or four hundred dollars a month. Let's say our let's say our loan, let's say we were taking a rental cash flow loss. We could have sold them a year ago or two years ago and still made money on them. uh, if we would have just and then now with the market, I mean what's happened to the market over the last year is beyond forgiving. It's like now it's just you know paying spades and you know, it's, it's like hitting hitting the jackpot, hitting the lottery. So yeah, it's real estate is a forgiving class, you know, and agents, as you guys are talking about this too. You know, a lot of you have investor clients or you need investor clients or it's something that a niche that you've wanted to have. And so some of these little conversations about every investor needs to start somewhere. So as your clients are asking you about that, like, how do you how do you get this first one? Like the first investment does not have to be a home run. It can be a single, it can be a double because real estate is a forgiving asset class. And if people have the good job, like you had a VA loan, you had a good job, even if you lost rent for a month or two, you could cover it. It's a little bit tougher, you know. Some there's been some states over the last year that's been a little bit more nerve-wracking to be a landlord, right? The, I know a couple smaller landlords and like in Tennessee that haven't been able to collect rent at all and haven't been able to do any evictions. And when you only own one or two properties and it happens, that gets a little bit scary. But it's but the market I think has made up for it. It's a it's a forgiving, fun asset class to get into. So you had started investing while you were active duty. And then somewhere along the line, you said, when you had about a year left, you said, I'm going to get my license too. Was that mostly because you were like, hey, I'm in real estate anyway, and I just love it? Or was it, hey, I'll at least get the commission when we buy our own properties? What was the, like, did at that time, did you picture being the agent you are today or running the team like you do today?
0: No, not at all, Aaron. It's funny. Yeah, I initially was, the plan was for my wife to get her real estate license, and then I would just kind of focus on the investing side. Um, But yeah, I I really intended to just use it for ourselves. And then it wasn't too long after I got, you know, I started doing real estate full time, where, you know, I, I just had or after sorry, let me back up. After I got my license, there was like six months before I started as an agent full time. But during that time I had a couple of just friends and people from my network reach out and want to just buy a house. And so I helped them by just the primary resonance and I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I loved like the people aspect and connecting with people, helping serve people. And like, I realized, Oh, you can also like make really good money as an agent. And that's why like January, 2020, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a try and just, just
1: rock it see what I can do. There are, there's so much fun stuff. And there, there's a bunch of listeners right now that super, are super angry at you right now because they're because you're because you're saying, I got my license. I wasn't really going to use it. And then I kind of got a couple deals at, out of it. The and we have some that come on, they're like, I tried and tried for six months. But the but that is, I know a lot, there's a lot of listeners. I know a lot of people that get a license because they're like, I, I just should have a license. I'm interested in real estate as an investor. I just should have a license. Was there anything you did during that time? Like so, two people randomly came to you when you weren't heavily marketing yourself as an agent yet. Was there anything you did during that time that you think led to it? Was it just your personality? Was it just your friendships? Were you telling people about it? Um, I
0: yeah, I was I was telling friends and stuff about it, and then yeah, networking with you know other investors, and it's whenever you know someone knows that you have a license and you're top of mind for them, like they'll they'll send their friends your way, and so I'm very Connected with like the military um, population here. Huh. Lots of, you know, I went to the Naval Academy before I commissioned the Marine Corps. And so I have a lot of friends from the Naval Academy still who, and we move every couple of years, you know, military people are, are getting orders every few years. So that's where, yeah, I guess I didn't mean to come across as it like it's sounding too easy, but or anything. But yeah, to your point too about investors who want to get their license, I've thought a lot about this and I've, I actually like, even though I kind of, that was my plan initially, I do not recommend it because it's really, there's a lot of costs that go to go along with just maintaining an active license and it's not super beneficial in my opinion for investors who just want to get licensed just so that they can like have
1: access to the MLS. I think that's I think that's great advice to give. There's somebody saying, I'm gonna get my license just because you're saying, no, don't get your license just because. If you want to be an agent, get your license. Right. If you're gonna do it to do one transaction a year, it's not worth it. And I think that's and that's the truth. The uh I remember the my wife, my wife used to be licensed and the when she was like, I don't want to be a broker anymore. I don't wanna I don't wanna have employees that I want to close down. And the, so she could homeschool our kids we were doing all sorts of stuff. And I remember going, shouldn't you keep it in place just for our deals? And she was like, I especially should not keep it in place just for our deals. Like I, espe- I should not keep it in place just to buy the house we're going to move into. That's a horrible idea. So the, uh, there's a lot more to that. So you're a team leader now. How many people are on your team? So I have four agents on my team now. What do you do? How, what, what are you guys doing for transactions a year? So this year, I'm
0: thinking we'll hit our goal. We, we set a goal in January to do 100 deals in 2021. Um, right now, we're at about 55 closed with another 25 under contract. So we'll be close if we don't hit it, but I'm, I'm confident we'll hit 100 this year.
1: You are, you are very close with those numbers. It's like, all right, you're going to be at 70 by early October. So can you get 30 in and close them? I mean, October is going to be a big month for you. You got to get 30 in escrow essentially by, you know, November 15th. Right. Well, the, we'll go, I, I keep, so I need, you got to reach out to me in December. Let me know if you've got those 30 in escrow by then that you're about to close. Okay. I would love to see you hit your goal. So you've got a team of four and the, do you still do production yourself? So is its Is it, is it, I four, do. is it four including yourself or is it four or five, five, including me? And I'm yeah, heavily involved
0: in production still.
1: So the so is it is it a pretty even team? You know, is it twenty deals each? Is it or is it a, a tiered where you're doing most of it and different people are doing different parts? It's
0: it's tiered right now. We have a couple new agents, so they're getting their feet under them. They both have onboarded in the past few months and have both closed at least one deal so far. Um, but yeah, and then there's been two that have been with me since you know, the start and um, yeah, they're in, you know, double digit
1: deals. Yeah. So you're on your second year, essentially. So you were licensed in 2019, January, 2020, you said, I'm going to be a real estate agent. Yep. Did I get that right. Yep. Then three months later, the world changed all sorts of different ways. And in some, in some cases, it made it a lot harder to be an agent, It made it a lot harder to be a new agent. How many deals did you do in 2020? 2020, I did 24 deals. It's incredible. It's incredible for your first year that you did that. What what would you attribute that to? Like how did you get how did you come out in your first year in dur- during a year where it was very tough to be a new agent? How did you stay consistent, and get your 24 deals? Yeah. So I really
0: did a couple of things. I think overall, like I feel very blessed to have that like success my first year, but I don't want to. It- to come across as like, I mean, I worked so hard to get those 24 deals and I'm not saying this to try and like boost my ego or anything, but I want to, you know, I, I want to provide a life for my family where we can like achieve some level of time freedom in the future and be super present with my kids. And I start with that because I say like, I, I, really put a significant amount of time into this agent life and to try into building this business. But what I did this first year that I think led to you know some success was I, I niched down with um, like the real estate investing community and marketed myself as an investor-friendly real estate agent. And yeah, kind of dove into that side of it. Um, I found that a lot of real estate agents they might be really good agents and really great at helping you find that perfect house with the perfect backsplash and paint colors. But they, a lot of agents i found do not understand the investing side. So when an investor comes to them and say, Hey, I want 10% cash on cash return and a hundred dollar cash flow property. A lot of agents will be like, I have no idea what that means, you know, or won't be able to, to help serve them like they need, or just don't speak the language.
1: Yeah. So, what was the, how did your team growth go? So, the, you know, beginning of 2020, you get there. At what point did you start adding team members? And what was that transition like to where it got to where it is today? Like, how'd you get your first team member? So, I
0: started a real estate investing meetup here. And that is where I met three out of the four agents that have joined my team as they've come to that meetup. Um, Yeah. And it was, we started it in the summer of 2020 and the first the first meetup event like we had like nine or ten people i was pretty excited the second one (laughs) there was only like four people that showed up it was two two people who saw it on like the marketing channels we posted it and my mom my mom was there so just for support which yeah Love. love my mom but yeah I found I met three out of the four agents at those meetups and that's been just the great, you know, value add for the team.
1: Yeah. so what was the, uh, what's the average price out in Surf City? Our average sales price is
0: 250,000.
1: All right. And the, so first year you had 20 deals, the, and what, what do you think your GCI was last year? What's it going to be this year?
0: So last year, I did about 6 million in volume and so the total GCI was about like 150,000 and then this year me personally I'm I'm looking at 52 deals with about a
1: $220,000 GCI Real estate Rockstars, before this next commercial break, I just want to say thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you for listening to the commercials that we put in here. This is how we're able to push the podcast to you. This is how we can make sure that we publish so much content and keep providing value. So here we go from one of our sponsors, Rent Ready. All right, guys, we gotta be honest here. You've heard so many of the Rent Ready ads over the past really nine to twelve months as they've been one of our flagship sponsors for so much of the stuff that we're doing. You know, RentReady is a property management software, and we've told you about this, truly working to elevate the entire renting experience for landlords and tenants. But this time, this isn't just a boring old podcast ad. I'm not sure how many episodes we're gonna run this on, but it's not just to help you maintain and screen tenants and run leases. This podcast ad is actually a secret. So this month, RentReady is releasing a game-changing feature that will help you save a whole lot of time and headache when it comes to crunching numbers on your rentals i don't even know what it is yet they wanted me to start doing this and so well i can't share it yet make sure that you stay tuned to the Rockstars podcast for that surprise reveal because we'll have it on good authority that rent ready will be letting our listeners know that once top secret feature is ready so in the meantime if you're looking to get started on rent ready's powerhouse of a platform i use it for a lot of my stuff get signed up save 50 percent off on any rent ready plan using our special code ROCKSTAR50. So that's 50% off any rent ready plan when you sign up using our code ROCKSTAR50 at rentready.com It's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com using the code ROCKSTAR50 for 50% off any of them. And again, listeners, I got to say thank you for listening to our sponsor ads. And if you have any interest at all in trying, you know, any property management software, we appreciate it when you go check out our sponsors, especially the ones where I'm telling you about it myself. I was going to pull up a question. So the I've had a bunch of people reaching out yesterday with random questions. And as you're, you know, th- this gal says, hey, you're talking to a lot of people about like how they're succeeding. And we've heard a lot of people say like, you know, I wish I would have known this at this time because I wouldn't have wasted so much money. And you're in this area where over your, your last two years, you've really been growing your business and your admin stuff. And so a question that came out, she said, for a small team leader, the what would... How would they recommend structuring their business? Like, meaning, how do they structure? Do they do S corps? Do they do LLCs? How do they worry about like expenses and accounting? And how much of their income are they spending on marketing? I know that's a that's a very like a broad question that we I did not prep you with ahead of time. But the um, but what are your thoughts about that? As you run your team, are you running it like a business? Do you think about you know, outbound marketing as an expensive gross, like how do you, how do you structure how all that works?
0: Yeah, I think, no, that's a great question. And something that I've learned a lot about this past year, I'm still learning a lot about it. Um, And I don't think it's talked about enough among the agent population, but I structured my team. So we're under a larger firm, EXP Realty, but my team is a, in the business structure side is an LLC that's um, files as an S corp. So we have a, I quickly realized like I'm not smart enough to do these taxes when it comes to even just like our rental properties. So we partnered with a, a solid CPA and really, you know, that's what I would recommend to agents find a good CPA who understands, you know, what, how to structure real estate agent income and businesses. Uh, but we file as a an S corp. And so all the commissions funnel through that, that organization. And then I pay myself out of there on the expenses side. It's just much more tax advantageous to do this than having like the commissions go straight into like your personal bank account that you use every day on the um, expenses side. I mean, I would really recommend to any new agent even if you're not planning on being on a team write out a business plan early and hold yourself to it and read it every week if not every day but it's so important to have your business plan and think through some of this stuff about how much you know how much expenses you want to have or what you want to keep it to because it's a slippery slope where you know there's lots of shiny objects. I suffer from the shiny objects syndrome all the time. Where it's like, oh, there's this new program or this new system. Like, uh, we'll just you know, it's a write off. So let's just add it and see what it does. But trying to limit your expenses while still you know investing in the good systems is, is I'd say, important. But for me personally, you know, I my big expenses for the team we have overhead $16,000 overhead of being a part of EXP that's every year I recently hired a coach to work with me so that's a pretty significant expense it's about $10,000 a year but is like I'm so excited about it there is you know website marketing Um, Right now, that's about like three grand a month for us, but really trying to ramp that up in the future and even hire a full time marketing director. Um, And then we partner with uh, a couple like admin support companies. So there's a transaction coordinator company that we partner with. We pay them a flat fee, $350 per transaction, and then a listing coordinator who we also pay a flat fee for, but those are our, our major expenses.
1: That was an awesome answer. (laughs) That is so helpful. I know that that when she hears this tomorrow, she's going to be like, yes, that is going to help me uh, as I grow my business. I love what you said about writing a business plan now. Because shiny object syndrome is big, especially in real estate. There's like, do you want this CRM? Do you want this CRM? Do you want this software? Do you want to get leads from from Google? Do you want to get leads from Zillow? Do you want to do open houses? Do you want to do meetups? Do you want to host a real estate meetup? However it is, right? There's ways that people get to other team members, but being able to like, just think about it and focus helps you. You can revisit that. You can revisit it every three months if you want to. But it'll at least help on the day-to-day decisions of like, no, the business plan is working. When you first wrote your business plan, did you have anybody that you reviewed it with? Did you have a mentor that you went and talked to about it? Or did you just review it with your wife and said, Hey, does this sound like any like did you have anybody that gave you insight on it?
0: Yeah, no, my my wife, she is amazing. And the one the secret to life, right? (laughs) It's it it sure is. But yeah, she helped me a lot. Just work through some of this stuff early in the agent in my agent career. Um, and then, so initially I would just kind of run things by her, run the numbers by her, be like, Hey, this is what I'm trying to do this year. These are my goals. Um, and she's super supportive, but I also found that, you know, I didn't want my wife to be like my business partner in a sense. Like I wanted, you know, I want to be married to, I didn't want to be married to my business partner. Like, and so we, have worked through kind of like how, you know, people's each person's roles and responsibilities when it comes to our rental properties. And we've got a great thing going now. Um, but I have, uh, a couple accountability partners that I talk with every week and help brainstorm some of this stuff, um, with business plans and
1: goals and everything. Very cool, man. Yeah. The, uh, That's what my wife says. She'll never, she never wants to get licensed again because she never wants to work for me again or work with me again. We were not, we were not good business partners. Now she can be an advisor and now she can give me advice on what I'm doing. Or she can tell me when like, Hey, Aaron, you're looking a little stressed out. Maybe you got to relook at this or, Hey, you're doing this. She knows my habits as she gets to see that, you know, it's funny today is we're recording this September 15th. This is actually publishing like a day after we're recording it, but today is tax day for businesses. Where we're at, we're filing, it's the it's the filing deadline for businesses out there. So your kind of comment about an LLC and S corp, and we definitely are not uh, CPAs as we give tax advice on here. But the but I will get some CPAs on here to talk about it. But I do remember early on the so much of the income was kind of ten ninety nine income, which looks really cool because you get it, you put it right in a checking account. If you're just an agent, and you're not an entity uh, structure. It looks uh, like it goes up a lot, but then it's tough to expense things properly and you usually end up owing taxes. And so the advice I give anybody when they're trying to set up a business at all. And then the other, the other thing that would happen too, a lot of young agents a lot of, or a lot of new agents end up intermixing expenses. So if you're just depositing your commission check into your personal bank account, the same bank account that you do with everything else and then sometimes they're using a credit card to buy dinner or sometimes they're using a checking account to buy dinner and then they're trying to expense this stuff or they're using this to pay for signs or ads or whatever it gets complicated and really the secret that i that i've recommended to everybody if you're going to make over 50,000 a year over 60,000 a year and all of you are right do not become a real estate agent if you don't want to make more than 60,000 a year 65,000 a year you got to come up with that business plan and you should set it up The way at the beginning, like it's going to be instead of my first construction company I started, I set it up as a sole prop. I don't like, I didn't do all this stuff right because I was like, I got to see if this works. I got to see if I can actually get my license. I got to see if it's actually successful. I don't want to put my time and effort into forming this stuff if I don't know if I'm going to succeed. But what I learned after time is set up the LLC or the S-Corp really. And it's, and all of them, it's like getting taxed like an S-Corp. The benefit of that is if you're going to make more than $65,000 a year, you're going to get this self-employment tax on whatever income you have. So if you make hundred grand as a 1099, you're going to get like a 19% self-employment tax on the rest of, of your tax. But if you own it as an entity, you pay yourself a salary. So Sean, if he deposits $100,000, he can give himself a salary of $65,000. That salary is going to get that 19% employment tax, but the rest of it isn't, right? That extra 35,000 isn't. And then the benefit of that is you've got its own checking account, Get your. Own, I tell people, get your own checking account and the own credit cards. Don't ever do use a personal card to expense something in business. Like Use that account. Set up the entity at the beginning and be really diligent with it. Because if you're diligent with it, it makes tax time so much easier at the end of the year. I was digging through stuff today because I'm a procrastinator on all of that. My CPA... Uh, John, I love him. And I send a lot of people his way because he's so patient with me as I start messaging him this morning. I'm like, so are we are going to file my taxes today. But anyway, the setting up that structure with a plan at the beginning, a specific checking account, a specific credit card, you don't intermingle. And I think what you, the way you have it set up right now, the, uh, I'm so glad that your answer is so much in line with what uh, aligned with what advice I would have given. So now you're in real estate. Now, how are you getting most of your deals today as your team?
0: Yeah. So I say our biggest source of buyers is meetups and classes. So teaching events or doing, you know, meetups in our area.
1: And what do you, so what do you say for that? what, What do you call your teaching event and how do you get people there?
0: Yeah, so our, our meetups, and I have to give a huge shout out to some friends, and they were mentors of mine early on in my agent career, but Shelby Osborne, who's been on your podcast, and then Mike Glasby, they are the ones, I got connected with them early in 2020, and they were the ones who were basically like, hey man, like you got to get this meetup started. They had a checklist for it, they're huge into processes and stuff. They basically were just like, execute this checklist, like It'll be great, trust me. So I did, and I owe so much to them. They've been great and they're awesome, awesome people. But yeah, so we call it Pints and Properties. I it's the same name that they use for their meetup, and they have one in Fayetteville and in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, but pints and properties, and then yeah, our whole thing, like there's lots of RIAs and some real estate meetups will, you know, not saying this is wrong or there's a right or wrong way to do it, but some will charge like membership fees. And we really wanted something that was just free for anyone to come. And our goal is to just try and add value to others. So we'll try and bring in like a speaker or someone in the real estate profession to teach us something about either investing or lending or creative financing, some type of strategy that can help investors, you know, learn and, you know, help them achieve their goals. And obviously there's a significant networking aspect to the meetup too. So after the speaker speaks, like people hang around and just network and talk real estate. But that's been a huge source of, of leads for us, even, even though like that wasn't really the intent, it was more just like, Hey, let's just try and get out there, meet people, add value, network. Um, But it's, it's paid off really well uh, for the team.
1: Hey, Real Estate Rockstars listeners. This is a commercial break, but this is a quick commercial break for you guys. See, have any of you ever wanted to host your own podcast? Have any of you guys thought about launching a podcast, but it seemed overwhelming, didn't quite know what to do. You know, something that we're thinking about launching right now or something that you're starting to launch right now, I don't know how many people we're gonna help with, is we wanna find listeners like you that wanna launch their own podcast, seemed a little bit overwhelming on what to do next. And we're gonna start a service where we're gonna help you guys figure out how to schedule your podcast, how to do the interviews, Our backend team will do everything that we do for the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. We will edit the show for you, we will publish it, we will help you with your social media and your images to really grow it. So I think our plan right now is three or four podcasts a month or up to three or four podcasts a month. The cost will be between 500 bucks and a thousand bucks a month to help you guys publish and launch your own podcast. So if that's something you're interested in, Be sure to reach out to us. Go find me on Instagram. Send me a message on there. It's at Aaron and Steak. All right, back to the podcast. When people lead with adding value, the rest follows. The, um, I mean, it's absolutely. And I think that even back to where at the beginning when you got your license, right? And it's like, not quite sure if you're going to use it yet. If you're a good person, if you're adding value, if you're the one that people can talk to, like it becomes so easy. Pints and properties. I love the meetup idea to get new first-time home buyers. Like the pints and properties. I've heard of several people that use that one. Kimberly Mazur's went on the podcast. She's done hers is called Bruise and Buying, is what I was pulling yeah. up. Same thing. Let's go to a bar. Let's real, do real a little iteration a there. Yeah. Let's like so hers is Bruise and Buying. Your pints and properties. It's hey, let's go to a bar. Let's sit down and hang out you can ask whatever questions you want and yes having a lender speak at one of them having an escrow speak at one of them being able to tell people like because buying a buying a house seems it just it's not easy it's the biggest decision people are making and it's and it's well let's see it's simple but you don't want to forget a step and it's simple not having that list and having somebody guide you through that process and then some people think it's so like, there's no chance of buying that they won't even start the conversation of calling that first agent. And the best thing about those meetups is it helps people get confident enough to realize, like, okay, this is it's 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 there's a lot of steps to do here, but we can do it. Or there's a lot of steps to do here, but there's pros that know how to do that. The um, well, Sean, this is this has been awesome talking to you. I want to give you some time to tell me about the big like the internship program that you're doing before we hit recording on this. You and I said we're both. We're both fans of active military and retired military. Um, I've hired a lot in my business. The um, that, would, that was your story as you came out. And there's a lot of programs out there. I mean, I would, I would love it if everybody in active military did exactly what you did. And a few months before they get out, they get licensed. They go through the process. They get licensed so they can hit the ground running. What is the program that you're doing? How does it work out there?
0: Yeah, so it's through SkillBridge, which is a Department of Defense-backed Uh, program that helps transitioning service members. um, And basically it's an internship where that service member, while they're still active duty and for up to six months before they are officially out of the service, they can intern with a company in the industry that they're going to be working in when they get out. So during that six months, they're still getting paid. They're still getting all the benefits from their military job. Uh, but they're a point in place of duty. Instead of waking up and putting camis and boots on in the morning, they put on a a polo shirt and flip flops and they come and intern with us and learn how to do real estate. And yeah, we're, we're very uh, passionate about helping veterans. Uh, everyone on our team is either a veteran or the spouse of a veteran or active duty military member. And um, I love the work ethic that comes with just hiring military members, but it's it's just a really it's a win win for everybody because that service member during the internship we have an onboarding you know training plan that we have them go through, but included in that is they get their licensing courses knocked out, they get all set up with their license so that day one, once they're actually out, um, they're trained, they're confident, ready to hit the streets
1: and, you know, do deals. Yeah. The, the, uh, well, I love that, man. I think that, so how can, how can someone reach out to you? So if there's somebody in North Carolina wants to take you up on that, or if there's somebody that's in a different state and they want to learn more about it or a different brokerage that's out and they're saying, hey, we want to try to do that too uh, to help active duty people as they come out. How should people reach out to you when they have questions about today's show?
0: Yeah, thanks. So they can reach out to me through quietwatersrealtygroup.com or my email is just my first name, Sean at quietwatersrealtygroup.com. That would be the best place.
1: Cool. So, final final question before we cut out. I saw this from the, the notes and I forgot to ask you about it. I don't want to. One of the tips you heard from the podcast So it, it said it's okay to be assertive as a real estate agent. Figure out when the time is and jump in and, and, and jump on it. The so I just want you to re, like restate that, resummarize it. What was the tip and how does it apply? Yeah, I think there's,
0: you know, there's it's a significant purchase like you were talking about, Aaron. Probably the biggest most people will ever make. And so there's a hesitancy sometimes to being assertive and being a little bit more aggressive with your recommendations. But, and this obviously is case by case dependent, but sometimes you may know what your client wants before they do. And this is for people who you really build a solid relationship with, who you're working with, who where you can get to know very well so that you almost like, you're not just the agent anymore. like you're their coach, potentially like their advisor. So you have to sometimes be willing to have a harder conversation and be like, look this this property like meets all your criteria. like what is holding you up? Is there something else that's preventing you from taking action? Um, and I've found that those conversations, while you might not necessarily look forward to them, it, beforehand, you'll probably be grateful that you had them afterwards because um, it just will, help encourage them to take action for their benefit, of course, not just because you're trying to chase like commissions or chase closings, but it's got to be in the service of, of the client. But um, don't be afraid to, you know, have those hard conversations and be a little more assertive when you need to.
1: Yeah. Sometimes people don't know how to make the decision. Like they, they, they're, they're nervous It's, it's you know and, they're, and they need you as the guide to be able to say, no, this is the right deal trust me, this is the, like, trust me, this is the time that we are supposed to do this at this time. Like, uh, yeah, I I loved it. As you said that and restated, I thought that was such an important thing. Well, Sean, it was great getting to know you today, man. The great to hear how successful you've been in just your first like 18 months or or more than that. Right. But you're less than two years in. By the end of this year, you said you're going to do 100 deals this year. You're on track. The uh, I think by next month you'll have 70, 75 done. I want you to reach out with me, reach out to me, man. Tell me when you get those next ones in escrow, so we can see if you hit your 100 unit goal for the year. The uh, real estate rock stars. I hope you guys have loved this. Sean, thank you for coming on the show.
0: Thanks so much, Aaron. And thanks for everything that you do for this community. Um, I love this podcast. It's so valuable and you've really helped so many people through this. So, and thanks so much for having me on. It was a, it was an honor.
1: It is such an honor to get to talk to you, Sean, today. This was a lot of fun. Sean, thanks again for coming on Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for listening. All right, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show.